Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team Pokemon Trading Card Games Premier Podcasting Duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined as always by my very blurry friend, Mr. JW Crewall. JW, how's it going today? I am so pixelated. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like, there's no. Yeah, it was weird because it was fine for just like a second there, and your audio is coming across really good. So. I I couldn't tell you, man. This is uh, one of those just internet oddities. We had that uh, same problem last week, but as long as the audio's good, I mean, I'll take it, right? <laughs> as a podcast, <laughs> yeah, as long as, as you a can podcast, hear me, that's the more important element. <laughs> as long as you can hear me, then uh, that will be okay. But uh, I'm so. doing okay, Riley. I just I'm like so busy. I'm way busier now than I ever thought I would be, and. I don't know how I'm keeping it all together. Sounds kind of stressful when you put it that I way. I mean, my my plan this morning or for for tomorrow morning is to wake up at three thirty, so I could finish some homework and do some reviewing before my class. Jeez. Because I didn't have enough time to do it today. Oh wow! So That's pretty crazy. Life. <laughs> but what about you, Riley? Anything new? Um. Nothing, nothing too wild. Um, I uh, started playing the Super Mario 3D World game with my friend, playing co-op, and that was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, for the Switch. Other than that, though, it's been a relatively low-key like week or so. Very busy. Got a new project at work um, sooner than I expected. So, um, kind of like compounding things at once right now, but. Not terrible at the moment. I'm getting by. Gotcha. Yeah. For sure. But there has been plenty of stuff going on in Poke in the in the last week. Poke just doesn't stop. It really doesn't. So um if you're unaware, blissfully unaware, the Pokemon Players Cup three qualifier, at least the first part of it, um happened this past weekend so if you qualified with qualifier uh using your tournament keys you got to play in your top 256 or 128 for your region um and the top 16 players from all of those are moving on to the next round of elimination so i got a lot of cool info coming out of that and before we get into that though uh we want to talk about our own experiences in the players cup so I should have you talk us through your experience. You got to buy in that first round for your awesome placement. You know, I did. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I think a few people may not know about the Players' Cup qualifiers that, you know, you, you make it onto this next day and it's in a bracket style, at least the way that they've done it all three times. And so there's potential for there to be buys because people will just drop, you know, or they won't register in time. So the higher up you are, the more likely you're going to get a buy, right? Because they'll pair you if you're the number one seed, then you'll be the first person to get a buy if someone has to drop or, or again, doesn't submit the correct deck list anyway. Um, so I had a, a buy on the first round. And then funny enough, both opponents for round number two also didn't show up. So I started off 2-0 in the Players' Cup. And I won my next two games. I played against a Scent of Scorch deck, which I was really hoping to play. I really enjoyed that match. But I was playing Eternatus Hammers. And I was hoping to see a lot of Scent of Scorch and just general fire decks and uh, Picaram. Those are kind of the things that I was really hoping to see. ADP, mm-hmm. generally a good matchup for the deck. And so uh, then I played against a Mirror... But they had, instead of the hammers, they had a Galarian Weezing, which was kind of cool. The Galarian Weezing line could have gotten me into trouble a few times, but luckily I had either the switch in hand or the gust when I needed it just to kind of combat what they were trying to do. So um, that was nice. And then also having the hammers in the mirror match when they do not have hammers also produces generally favorable results. So up until that point, I hadn't lost a game and then i faced against the deck that i really didn't think would see much play in players cup and that was luke metal 
and I just kind of didn't tech at all for Luke Metal. Um, I had some things that I could do, but you know, I wasn't running Spirit Tomb, which is really dark, heavy hitter into the Zamazenta, and I only was running Eveltal. And so my opponent just, um, you know, didn't make any misplays. They drew very well, and you know, they got out their Zamazentas and really nothing else, and um, just played the matchup beautifully. And so they moved on as five and zero into the next round of play. And that dropped me into the losers bracket. Unfortunately, I had to wait a long time for you know a bunch of rounds i think i had to wait two or three rounds because the whole idea with this double a limb system is that you can play ahead of your round so you could potentially finish very quickly um and then you know it lessens the amount of people that are waiting around right so it's kind of a courtesy extended by the judges um so that people can play ahead finish early and then go get on with their day, which I like, but there's also some um, problems with that as, as I saw heading into my last round where I was, I was off for about two hours or so, maybe, maybe even a little bit more. I don't know. I'd have to check the tapes on that, but it was, it was certainly a long <laughs> time someone on the tapes for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it was certainly a long time. I played some chess on the stream and uh, I don't know, just chatted and stuff with the viewers, but um, I wasn't, I, I don't know. I, there was definitely, a break where I wasn't quite the freshest. Anyway, I don't mean to set that up to like blame the break as to the reason that I misplayed horribly to lose uh, in the last round, but I'm not saying there wasn't any influence of that, but yes, I played against an Inteleon deck <laughs> in my last round and that's a pretty terrible matchup. The first game I lost, they had, uh, they were able to get their wondrous labyrinth to stick and I wasn't able to find my power plant stadium to negate that. And they just got off to a quick start. They hit a bunch of hammers and things were really bad. The second game, I was able to get some energy into play via the power accelerator attack off the Eternatus. And I was able to kind of withstand the early hammer barrage. They didn't quite have um, a good start. And so I was able to overcome like just barely though. Again, it's a really bad matchup. They have the Keldeo for that GX attack and that can just, blow out Eternatus's out of nowhere. And so it can be really rough. And then the third game, I go to make a Gus play on a benched Inteleon that had some damage on it. And I just miscalculated the damage. I, I It wasn't a guaranteed victory for me if I take the knockout, but it was, I put myself in a really good spot if I take that knockout, but I just didn't bench a Pokemon and I ended up being 20 damage short. And um, that was just a, a, an egregious error. I was going through my mind and like thinking, okay, I want to save a bench spot in case I need a Crobat later. But there, you know, there was no reason to do that, right? I needed to take the knockout. So <laughs> I made a really bad misplay and it cost me that round. And that was, that was my tournament. Yeah, really unfortunate end there. Um, you know, if it, at least if it's somewhat consoling, it wasn't a guaranteed win if you took the knockout at the very least. <laughs> like, right. At right. least you didn't completely, you know, take it from zero, 100 to zero. Um, oh, right. right. <laughs> so, but yeah, that was really unfortunate. Um, you know, it's funny because you had last week emphasized like the importance of like saving spaces for Crobat. <laughs> I, I know that's that's why my mindset was there, right? Because I was like, okay, I need to make sure that I have enough, uh, you know, space to devote to a Crobat in case I need to do it. And I just, I just didn't, I just didn't think about it. You know, I, I it was actually kind of like that over over preparation in my mind that maybe hurt right because i could have just been like ah, turn it is do big damage you know and like slap everything down right that would be what uh you know 80 percent of the player base might do <laughs> but i i didn't and then it cost me so um hey who knows yeah your brain was simply too big in that moment <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right well i so, think uh, did... i think you still have a lot to be proud of like your, your deck yeah. was really solid it flowed really well yeah. throughout the day um so um how yeah, did unfortunate your end. How did your Players' Cup run go, Riley? Mine was not nearly as smooth. I didn't get the benefit of a no-show, which is unfortunate. I know. <laughs> but so I was playing Pikaram. Um, I was pretty confident in... Uh, it was a kind of a last-minute choice. I was going to play Turnus as well, but I thought uh, Pikaram with a couple big charms was a pretty good choice. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, I ran that, 
and I ended up just having some really unfortunate games. So I played against the Sandy Scorch, and honestly, I felt like I played a lot better than my opponent that round. But sometimes Sandy Scorch does does Sandy Scorch things and completely steamrolls you. Um, so that happened, and I was in loser's bracket at that point. I beat an ADP pretty soundly after that. Um, then I lost to a mirror pretty soundly. Um, so it is what it is. <laughs> sometimes sometimes it's a four versus zero on hammers. Uh, sometimes you hit Santa Squares. That's kind of the nature of the format right now. Um, but I still had fun playing. I thought Picarama was still a solid choice as I exited the tournament. Um, and yep. I think my opponent actually who beat me in losers actually went on to qualify. So, you know, good for him as well. Um, he played really solidly in our games. I think his name is Dan Hugar. Yeah, qualified, right? Yes, Dan Hugar with Pikachu and Zekrom. So, um, overall, you know, looking at how things ended up, taken away from our personal experiences, and we'll talk more about, you know, coming back from rough rounds later. Um, at the end of the day, the across all the regions, Eternatus was the most dominant deck, um, followed closely by Arceus, Dalgia, and Palkia, and Picaram. Um, with 13, 11, and 10 players representing those decks, respectively. What I found most interesting, though, is a lot of these regions had, like, a most dominant deck that was different than the other regions. So this wasn't, sure. like, a consistent trend. So, like, NA and Oceana had the most Picaroms by far, um, whereas um, EU in particular had the most ADPs by a lot. Um, sure. So I don't know if there's, like inherent differences in the metagame that results in this or if it's just like the top players have different opinions and they play different decks uh, but i thought it was really interesting to see like it's so different across these regions you know like the cross sections aren't even that similar <laughs> sure yeah um let's talk though about you know na you know being na players ourselves let's give a quick shout out to all the players who made it into that top 16 bracket uh, so looking at the winner's pool we have christian chase with Pikachu and Zekrom, Will Crawford with Lucario Memetal, Mike Fouché with Pikachu and Zekrom, Andres Galbadon with Eternatus VMAX with Crushing Hammer, just like JW, um, Azul with Tempo Zard, Teha Gumadi with ADP, Kim Hyunsu with, Etern- with sorry, Senta Scorch, and Kevin Kruger with Decidueye. Sneaking in there is the one Decidueye in all Players Cup, which is pretty cool. Yes. Yeah, very <laughs> cool. Kevin likes to play those kind of off meta decks and it's good to see him perform well again here yeah kevin's an awesome dude too we've had it on the cast um thomas brophy in the losers bracket with santa scorch evan campbell with pikachu and zekrom andrew hedrick with tempo zard dan hugar with pikachu and zekrom joanne morsa with santa scorch v max <laughs> mama network coming in clutch yeah, yeah. congratulations um, to her i mean I, I don't know the age of anyone else in this player's cup oh well i mean i know the relative age of a lot of these people but um joan with uh gotta be gotta be the oldest you know <laughs> gotta be the oldest and and, and the coolest again, for sure that's definitely the again, most congratulations and i uh, might i also point out a, a very prominent you know a female player so just really cool to see kind of an an older female player just going to show that anyone that puts in the time and the effort can be good at this game and you know that's just great to see the representation there and um you know maybe even inspiring other you know uh, other older women or or just women in general like I, i think it's a great story so I hope she does particularly well. I hope she makes it out of losers and and uh, goes on to win the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, Joan Worth having like such good runs, and she's been doing she's done well in a lot of these online events. Is yeah. uh, is super cool, and it's it's kind of heartwarming as well because you know like she got into this game with her son, obviously being Celia's network, uh, Luke Morse, and you know, she's not only having fun with it, but she's doing really well. Yeah, for sure. Um. Just going down the last couple of decks there, we got Blake Tennington, Blake Pennington with the Carl Memetal, Jeremy Reisig with that Inteleon deck, and Andy Zhang with Senti Scorch. So, pretty wide variety of decks there. Um, Peeker Ram and Senti Scorch getting the most representation in the Nay, um, which honestly, that kind of doesn't surprise me a ton, um, just based on like the players that, you know, we anticipated Senti Scorch being a pretty big factor coming to this tournament. Um, I think both our decks' choices kind of reflect that as well. Um, sure. Being Eternatus and Picaram, uh, 
uh, trying to have a good matchup as possible into Sunny Scourge. Um, what I'm kind of surprised about in NA is the lack of Eternatus in yeah. in top 16. Do you have any idea yeah. why that might have happened? Yeah, I mean, it, it's really hard to say. I think, I, honestly, I thought it was probably the best deck coming into the weekend. I mean, people would argue that Senna Scorch has a at least even a favorable matchup against Eternatus, but I that really hasn't been my experience. So I don't know. People may have been playing wacky Eternatus lists. So I one thing that I've been seeing recently uh, has been Eternatus with Weavile, and that's to kind of counteract the just amount of crushing hammer that there are that there is in the format because you can um you know take some damage with the active vmax and then switch it to the bench and then move all the energy up to a fresh vmax and in that way you can kind of conserve those energies you don't have to find those attachments or or get ahead on the on the uh, uh energy attachments so you know there's been that but that takes away maybe a little bit of uh, of consistency you're trying to fit in a um you know, Sneasel Weavile, 2-2 Sneasel Weavile line. A lot of those decks play the Darkrai for that GX attack that can item lock. I mean, there's some things in there that kind of take away, detract from the general consistency of the deck. So that could be a reason. I Again, I played against a player who had a Weezing line, which I just don't, I, I just don't think really fits with the whole idea of Eternatus. To me, Eternatus is that kind of deck that just attach, attach, swing for 270. And like, if you do that, you know, that's your that's your game plan, right? It, it's very much a cut and dry deck. And I think a lot of people are trying out new and, and interesting and different things, but I think maybe that leads to a lack of consistency. Yeah, I definitely think that's a part of it for sure. Um... I also kind of have a hunch that maybe Lucaro Metal was more popular than we anticipated um, in North America, at least, um, which definitely serves to, you know, the attorney's detriment. Yeah, I I thought that Pikachu and Zekrom, that would have been my choice, but I was thinking a lot about how much... Um, how much Eternatus there would be. I thought, you know, okay, well, I, I can't play Pikachu and Zekrom because not only is Eternatus going to be a big deck, but ADP also is going to be, um, you know, very heavily played. And and now with that Rusted Sword is going to have a much better time trying to swing into the Peaks and the uh, Alolan Raichu and Raichu GX. So that to me also like seeing four Pikachu and Zekrom from the uh, North American bracket was very surprising in my opinion because i think you you know you take that very bad matchup to eternatus and then probably a less than favorable matchup now to adp yeah i i think the theme here is um you know looking back on the vivid multi voltage metagame you had these like really standout decks and you know your welder decks your adps your eternatuses and your pikaroms with lucaro model as like a counter deck on the side um and really, if you pick amongst those and have a solid list, you have a decent chance of doing well is kind of what I'm taking away here. Yeah, absolutely. Good luck to everyone that is playing in the uh, the next stage this weekend. I'm really excited to see what uh, what decks do well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I also just want to give a quick shout out to the two coolest decks that were able to make it through, uh, that being Charizard from Vivid Voltage. <laughs> And Cramorant VMAX for you on Z. Yeah. Um, both of which are just insanely awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's so wild. I can't believe it. When I saw Robin winning, uh, you know, he was like 3 0, 4 0. I was like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. And then <laughs> going a perfect 5 0 with Cram. I mean, you know, it, it makes sense, I guess. Like, it's kind of one of those decks where it's like, Oh yeah, I guess we were sleeping on it the whole time because you just have such good one-shot potential and you have such good control of the board um, with that just Cramorant V sniping one prize decks. You know, it's like you you have pretty um, strong strong board position, right? Generally speaking, so um, shout yeah, out to the Robin combination for of, really of well. V catch being so powerful, like you said, the sniping being so good in. Honestly, throughout the game, like you can snipe the Denes, you can snipe, you know, set up Pokemon, all sorts of crazy stuff. And then, yeah, yeah that one shot potential that very few decks can actually one shot a VMAX. So, yeah, um, true. Anytime, true. Yeah, I feel I, like anytime you can do that, that's like notable. Right, right. And then you also look at, um, 
you know, you look at the European metagame and, it, it, and at least the decks that came out, um, they're not necessarily indicative of what the metagame was like, but there were, I, like you said, Europe didn't really like Pikachu and Zekrom. So, um, you know, you're not getting, if, as long as you're not getting hit for weakness, I feel like as a, uh, as a Cramorant VMAX player, you're pretty happy to play just about anything. So it will be interesting to see if Robin makes it on to the final four in Europe. Absolutely. Let's shift the discussion, though. Um, so, JW, you talked about you know, kind of having a heartbreaking finish there in that last round in Losers. Um, you know, heartbreaking rounds are certainly not an uncommon thing when you're playing in these Pokemon tournaments. Um, and sometimes it's not even your last round, right? Like, you might have just a, right. a really rough go midway through your tournament. Uh, what kind of tips would you give to our listeners when you end up in those kind of situations, or even if you're mid-game and you realize that you've made an error, um, how do you kind of like recover your mentality and keep pushing? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. Well, I think I think it obviously means way more when you're in that kind of final round, or or you know, if you win, you make it onto another stage, or you make it onto you know top eight, or or you win you know, you're in finals and, and, and you make an, a blunder that would cost you a championship or something like that. Like the, the stakes are definitely higher in those later round situations. And I just want to say, like, if you find yourself there, like for me, I just feel blessed to be there. You know, I, I've been there so many times. So um, not not to like brag, I just saying like <laughs> that it's that I feel very uh, blessed to like have the opportunity to lose it all, you know, at any point. Right. Like that is um, very special to me that I've been able to put myself in those situations where it's very high pressure and not everyone gets those opportunities. Not everyone has the means to travel to tournaments or um, has the time to play these really long online tournaments. I mean, it, it's just a, you know, it's a, it's a blessing for sure. Um, so uh, the, in, in the game, that I lost. I was pretty upset. I think about mindset right after the game because it was a very stupid error. The deck isn't particularly difficult to run. Eternatus doesn't have too many, you know, spooky things. But I was playing <laughs> against a really tough matchup, and I felt like if I could get that knockout there, that I could sneak one. I could sneak a, you know, a very unfavorable matchup uh, into into a win for me. So I, I was pretty devastated there. And then obviously the recognition of being in top 16 is is really nice. Um, but you just for me, I, I just remember that, you know, my life doesn't revolve around the game. So who I am as a person isn't tied to my performance in the game. I think that's really important for um that was an important lesson for me to learn as a, as a younger kid. I think, you know, if you're, if you're older and you're playing the game, I think you probably understand that to a degree, but you know, your performance doesn't dictate who you are as a person. So that is certainly something that I hold fast to. Um, and then in terms of, yeah, just, just being in that moment and, 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 uh, and losing, I, think about the times where I've been in that moment and I've won and I empathize with my opponent and like saying this could be that, you know, the happiest time that they've ever had, like playing the game or, or this could be one of their biggest, um, their biggest wins or something like that, you know, for, for somebody to, um, to perform well, like my defeat, might be someone else's, you know, greatest victory or, or happiest time or something like that. Like, um, there's there's something to be said about my opponent doing well. You know, I, I don't know. There's some kind of I, I'm almost happy for them in a way that they got to achieve this this <laughs> win. And um, yeah, I have to remind myself that you know I was in that position before where you know maybe I was on the favorable end of a misplay that pushed me into some next, uh, next round. I certainly have stories about that too, but um, yeah, just kind of recognizing that, okay, you know, the opponent, maybe that was a big, maybe that was a big deal for them. And, and I should be happy that, uh, that they were able to, you know, find, find success. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would, you know, kind of continue to say, 
and we've said this a lot on on tag team as well is you know don't let your like reflect on your individual blunders or or when you have a rough game and uh, like take what you can out of that but you know don't let those define you don't let your whole experience be taken down by yeah. one event or you know one off game um, yeah. you know find the chance when you're a calmer to like look back and see you know how could you improve and it might have and honestly like especially in this online era where you like you can record your games pretty easily um you might notice more than you even would have thought about like even then yeah even then those blunders so yeah um, so true so true you know i would yeah, say the they don't let your mistakes define you uh yep. let your growth and your continued like movement forward be what defines you instead yeah and then you know when it comes to making a mistake in the game like you know if, if you realize your blunder mid mid game or mid turn you just you can't you can't go back you know that's that's the thing just I, don't I make guess another I, one <laughs> yeah don't make another one you know <laughs> you just pick yourself off and pick yourself up and, and dust yourself off and uh and keep chugging forward and just say hey you know i i have you know now is my my next turn i have an opportunity to be better and um it hurts it can sting for sure i i let it uh i let it fumigate for about a, a day or so but you know hey that, the past of the past i hope to be in another opportunity to uh, prove myself and, and prove myself as a player and um you know i'm happy for uh i'm happy for jeremy who who's moving on with intellion and you know hey i hope he takes it home honestly <laughs> one of him or, or john that's right yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's awesome so uh i think it's about time jw for our car of the day would you agree i would 100 percent agree okay so this is my car of the day today, and I think this is a nice segue between the pre and the post car of the day topics. Um, so my car of the day is one that synergizes super well, or would synergize super well if it was a standard card, uh, with one of the decks that we mentioned earlier. And it's a Pokemon that's featured in one of the decks that we want to talk about next. Um, do you have any idea what that card might be, JW? I I don't, and I feel like I should. I feel like I should be embarrassed that I don't. Okay. <laughs> I I feel like it'll all click once I explain it. Okay. Um, so my card of the day for this week is uh, from Noble Victories. It's the 14th entry in that set, and that is going to be Victini with Victory Star. Yo, let's so, <laughs> Victini with Victory Star is a has a lot of really cool arts um all of them are super fun and you know very much in the spirit of victini um but it has that victory star ability which is so iconic uh and it was reprinted even the ability with a different card um in the guardians rising set so what victory star does is it's actually the same effect as glimwood tangle uh, if you've only seen the more modern cards where uh, after you flip a coin for an attack you can choose to reflip those coins that you had flipped uh, so if you're playing your Cramorant VMAX and you got a Victini with Victory Star on the bench and you have, you know, 10 energy and you flip 10 tails, you can reflip those again uh, with Victini Victory Star. It does not stack with Glimwood Tangle or any of those other effects. I think Trick Coin is like another one of those things. Right. It's a tool that does the yep. same thing. Um, but it's a, it's a really cool option for those decks that rely on coin flips. When it came out, it was featured in the Vanillix deck. Um, to you know, try and guarantee that paralysis, or at least bring it up to as high a percent chance as possible. Um, and just a, this is a great card. I really like Victini actually as a Pokemon. I think it's really cool. Uh, I like it's kind of like V theming. I like how he's a little tough guy that just like really wants to get in little brawls. Is kind of how I interpret him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and uh, taking it to the segue. Uh, Victini VMAX is one of the decks I'm most excited about coming out of Battle Styles. So yes. I figured what good, what better way to kind of bridge your segments together than looking at Victini Victory Star. Yeah, absolutely. Victini is uh, is quite the card. And I think you're not quite a, a true Victini lover if you don't have the, the Battle Roads Victini Cups. <laughs> Did you ever see those? Yeah. Speaking of Victini on cards, it's like in a little in a little trophy cup. I anyway, I digress. It's a shiny Victini. Do you know that? I didn't. What? I had to go back and look at them. 
you serious? It's a shiny bikini. <laughs> yeah, it might have only been on the first place one, but it's definitely shiny. Okay, I'll have to I'll have to check the tint. <laughs> I'm gonna look that up right now. And it's very a little cool. tricky because Victini Shiny is very similar to regular Victini. Ah, okay, okay, well. A little bit of a trickster in that way. <laughs> yeah, you know, thank you so much, Victini Victory Star, for some awesome times in the format when you weren't powering up Vanillix. <laughs> and shout out to Victini for having just a lot of good cards under its belt. Um, speaking of which, you know, we'd be fools. It'd be so foolish not to talk about battle styles now that the cards are out, had our hands on them, we've had streamers blocking those hours in, playing the battle styles decks, there are battle styles tournaments going on. JW, what is your very first impression of some of these cards? What are the decks that you're liking or something that you're really attached to at the moment? Yeah, I mean, if, if somebody asked me what would I play to a tournament, tomorrow i would say single strike or excuse me rapid strike <laughs> rapid strike urshifu uh, i love this deck i think it has a ton of options i think it can be built in a number of different ways and, and we'll talk about that too um but yeah the rapid strike just being able to search out cards anything you want with the octillery being able to snipe and do you know decent damage reminiscent of of our old pal golis pod uh, it's just a very smooth flowing deck in my opinion, and uh, I like it a lot from uh, from the new decks and battle styles. Yeah, I think the comparison to Ghost Pod is obviously it's obviously there with Gale Thrust being so similar to First Impression. Um, I think it's also worth noting that you know Galisopod being that kind of like one energy attacker found its way into a lot of different styles of deck. Um, you know, you would see it as text in, in decks that just need like a grass attacker. You would see it in the Zorark decks, and you'd see it um, in more like straightforward Glissopod decks even. And then you'd also see it um, in like the Garbodor variants. So Glissopod saw a lot of different use cases. I feel like we're seeing that kind of thing play out almost with Rapid Strike, where we're seeing, you know, these Dragapult versions. We're seeing the Chinchino version. We're seeing the straight up version. Um, so I'd be interested to talk more about those um, in a second here. Are there any decks that you're maybe excited about but haven't had a chance to try out or that you're curious to see more of? Well, I really want to play the Corviknight decks. I find that card to just be fascinating. And I guess just Bronzong more in, in general. I have something coming out for uh, for YouTube on uh, one of these days that is uh, featuring Bronzong that I think will be a ton of fun. And um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I like just the, the energy trans ability that, you know, we've seen for a while in the past with the with the aromatist and now kind of getting a new flavor. So uh, excited for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've seen some really cool um, ADP Bronzong type decks that kind of move Aurora energies around to all sorts of different yeah. crazy stuff. Um, so I'm interested to see like what kind of applications we can find for Bronzong. Um, yeah. You know, on my end, I I'm a huge fan of single strikers. You feel? I'm not gonna lie. Um, uh, you're a simp you for know, the single I, strike. I'm definitely a simp. Um, you know, it's a little clunkier than Rapid Strike, obviously. There's more yeah. going on in the deck, but it's so satisfying when it's up, and um, it, it's kind of impressive to decks that like can't deal with it quickly because you just you know you get these huge knockouts that no other deck can do. Its attack pierces through things too, so like Zamazenta isn't going to save you anytime soon. <laughs> it's just it's so cool, you know. It's, yeah, yeah, and I I love that. Um, you know, it is. I mean, it, it the deck is really cool because it it punishes decks that can't one shot it, right? Because if they don't do enough damage to one shot, then you can scroll a scorn and kind of have that revenge, um, that that easy revenge. I, I I think it just works really well. I think the game designers were really ingenious to put this kind of combination together with the with the houndoom that damages your your guy you can do one shots you get the extra damage from the energy uh you have the scroll of scorn like it all just kind of works together and that's really cool yeah it's actually 
I think the scroll of scorn is actually really interesting to point out as well. It's like obviously you have um the G Max one blow to do insane amounts of damage. You know, we're talking like three hundred plus when you get a couple of the single strike energy on. Um, yeah. But then you know you come out of that, something hits into you, it doesn't quite get that KO. You can just earn some energies back in, hound doing them onto your Urshifu, and for every single energy you put on that Urshifu, you're adding essentially 40 damage because you put the damage, 20 right. from the hound right. doom and you put the 20 from the energy. Um, right. And it, it gets really insane really fast. Like you're talking like you can get back to back one hit KOs just by using one blow and uh and scroll of scorn if you're not careful. Um and also having that kind of cheap attack option. Like, it's very possible to just, like, roll of scorn and put on an energy and, like, one-shot a little basic on a bench, um, especially the fighting weak one. So, you know, looking at the Porygons of the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the deck is just so satisfying to play. Um, yeah. I want to continue experimenting with it. The stadium is great. It's just a really solid stadium card um, with the Tower of Darkness. Um I, nothing is satisfying like discarding a tower of darkness with your tower of darkness. <laughs> <laughs> That's so epic. So it's it's so much fun. So I really enjoy yeah. that deck. That's it's cool. kind of I feel like every set I kind of pick up a, a deck that is just like I've talked about this before. It's kind of like my pet deck, uh, and it's yep. definitely single strike at the moment. Um, I think another really solid deck to come out of battle styles is Victini V Max. Um, you play it kind of like a Tempozard kind of deck, uh, where you have a bunch of different like welder-oriented attackers um, mm. to clean up at various stages of the game. Uh, but the cool thing about Victini is you can play a heavier count of things like Research, heavier count of things like Boss's Orders, because the Victini, for two attachments, can do crazy damage to a V Pokemon. Um, and so you can kind of build up your consistency a little bit more at the expense of you know, not playing as heavy into the welder um, aspect of the deck. Um, so, you know, not maybe not playing stuff like Baby Lecephalon with fire crystals and stuff, and instead focusing yeah. more on, like, draw support and bosses. Um, yep. And that's just a really solid strategy. I mean, having just a giant Pokemon that can threaten things, it threatens a 2-hit KO on every VMAX, um, is going to always be solid. Um, so yep. that's just a really impressive deck, in my opinion. I think the problem with Victini VMAX is it can struggle in kind of like GX-oriented matchups if it doesn't get out of the gates with like a Charizard quickly. Um, right. I think Victini VMAX, especially post-rotation, though, like that's going to be scary. I completely agree. This is the card that if it drops below like $5, that I'm going to try to pick up as many as I can because, <laughs> like you said, uh, it just seems like in a VMAX metagame, it can dominate. And while we still have tag teams and, and GX Pokemon, it maybe isn't quite as strong, still very strong. I mean, still topping a number of tournaments, but uh, yeah. as soon as we move into this, this post tag team world, it should just blow a lot of things out. <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, the damage output is so high. Um, I'd also say if you're, you know, if you're picking up the V maxes, make sure you get your Victini Vs from, Sword and Shield, because that energy mm. burst is so much better than the... I forget what the other attack is. It's like Victory Burst or something mm -hmm. um, on the newer Victini. Yeah. But having that... And it's also worth calling out, like, having the flexibility. We talked about this in our top 10 cards. of Your basic Victini V is threatening with energy burst. Like, you can knock out Zacians that have already attacked just by energy burst for two. You threaten all sorts of things just by, you know, throwing maybe three, four energy with a welder, uh, energy bursting them um, after they've attacked. So, you know, the deck has a lot of options. Uh, and it's funny because it loses some of those with rotation. You know, it loses the welder, it loses the yeah. Charizards, this is the Heat Ran. Um, but then it gains the fact that, you know, no one else will have a GX. <laughs> so. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, Very cool. So, I think that's an exciting deck as well. I mean, those one, are kind of like my two favorite I, decks at the moment. Yeah, one thing I want to talk about for, for viewers, because I, I know people love to hear about, um, you know, how to build certain things. And I think you probably have some opinions on the Rapid Strike Urshifu and how to build it. I've seen a number of different ways to build it. The first way that I tried was Jirachi, the Jirachi version that you may have seen 
Chip play. I think Trainer Chip likes to play that version yeah. uh, a lot. Um, the version that I have since enjoyed is a more artillery-based version, so no Jirachi, but a 2-2 artillery line and a lot of the rapid strike support thing. You know, you got Karina's Focus, you got the Fan of Waves, you got one count of the stadium. You know, you're just, you're, you're able to search out those things, you know, very, very efficiently with that artillery. And then the last way that I haven't yet played, but I want to hear your thoughts on is the version with Sinchino. So I would say there's even more you... ways past that, you know, you talk and, about. And sure, sure. There certainly are. What, what are, um, could you expand on maybe some of the other ways that you've seen? Oh yeah. And of course with the Dragapult. Yeah. How could I forget with the, <laughs> uh, with in combination with Dragapult, but of the first three that I mentioned, um, kind of the the engine behind a single or a rapid strike Urshifu uh, deck. That engine can change. Which of the three are you most excited about, and which do you think people should be playing right now? Sure. Um, I think it's tough to say like what people should be playing right now as the meta is still evolving. I think they're all kind of have different strengths and weaknesses. <laughs> Um, yep. So when you look at kind of the Jirachi variant, you know, you're looking at trying to be as aggressive as possible and like gusting up the Dedenes every turn. Um, so that's really the goal of, of Chip's like Jirachi focused version. Um, I would say like, I'm not a huge fan of the Jirachi version myself because I hate having to move those Jirachis around all the time. It just feels like you, you burn a lot of cards just trying to get Jirachi in and out of active. Um, sure. that maybe could have been better spent elsewhere but then you also get the utility of like you can use net on Mewtwo and you can use net on Zigzagoon and kind of like squeeze out value out of it in different ways um, so not to say it's a bad version it's just I always get annoyed by Jirachi <laughs> um, yeah. the second version that you referenced was the artillery version which is really just going for like maximum consistency and straightforwardness um, so like you, you know, you can consistently guarantee you have draw support with your Karina's focus. Yeah, you can pluck out of your deck. Uh, so it's really hard to like stamp you to low. Um, you can always have your energy attachment. Guarantee you pull out the rapid strike energy, which is huge. Um, and, you know, you can play some of those more techie rapid strike cards more easily. So like the Empoleon and the, this tower of water and all that kind of stuff. Um, yep. So that's really good. I think it, especially in like an early meta game while things are developing, um, it's really good to have a deck that's very consistent and straightforward. Um, drag, I'll talk about Dragapult variant before I talk about Chinchino. Um, so Dragapult is going max spread. Um, Dragapult variant is a little less consistent because you're playing kind of low counts of all your different energies um, and they're conflicting types. They don't yes. really work together. Um, yes. So like the psychic and energies another, work on another the point on that too is I, I've seen a lot of those lists and and maybe this will change as the metagame progresses but they're very special energy focused playing the four horror and the four uh, rapid strike energy and then maybe four you know uh, uh, psychics but um, you're very much playing into the hands of fan of waves but anyway I digress continue on yeah I mean I would say like that version is pretty. Um, Pretty affected by energy disruption as all dragapult <laughs> variants are um and but it has the benefit of you know urshifu can sometimes struggle in certain matchups when there's a mew from unbroken bonds on the field um you know being able to limit the gmax rapid flow can be super impactful um and the dragapult pretty seamlessly gets around that by using a zigzagoon ping and the dragapult snipe to wipe that off the field um, while also covering like some weaknesses and other matchups. Um, so basically every psychic Pokemon that would hit the Urshifu for weakness, uh, Dragapult can hit, cover that. It could hit other Urshifus. Um, so you kind of get that like coverage at the cost of consistency. Um, and then last is the Chinchino variant, which has a lot more like setup involved, obviously, like you're setting up a Chinchino line on your board. Um, but then the benefit is that you can change Cheryl's. So like a slower metagame or in slower matchups, um, you know, you can kind of like Zorark, you can discard consistently and, and Cheryl and uh, kind of come back in matchups that you wouldn't necessarily expect to. Um, that's really good in those like kind of grindy match situations where you can just continually Cheryl over and over and kind of choke your opponent out of the game. Um, of those variants... Uh, I think right now, I 
I'm kind of torn. You know, I kind of slammed Andrachi a little bit. I think the variant's pretty good, though. Um, I also, I do really like the Chinchino variant, but I'm also kind of, like, biased. I really like Zoroark, so, like, and I really like sure. Zoropod. Like, sure. and that, that kind of really effectively, it's not a, it's not a perfect recreation, obviously. And, like, if you were to compare Zoropod to the Chinchino uh, Urshifu deck, I'm pretty sure the Urshifu deck would beat the Zoropod, like, every single time in a one-on-one. <laughs> <laughs> Like without dropping a single game, bro. <laughs> um, but you know that's not the whole story either. Um, you know the there was plenty of situations where like you're not even going to get to the end game where you can share consistently. Um, sure. And so sure. like setting up quickly early is really important to make a deck like that work. But then you also need a lot of bench space for your Urshifus and your Chinchinos. Um, so it's hard to fit like a Dedenne on the bench, and let alone a Dedenne and a Crobat. Um, so you know you suffer in that kind of way. I would say it's the deck I, the version I enjoy playing the most right now, just because I really mm-hmm. like that engine. Um, and yeah. Level Ball was a huge asset to that engine, of course. Um, yeah. But it's, I can't say for sure if it's the best right now. I think if it's a two-hit KO metagame, like where Urshifu is like tanking hits consistently, and like it's a little bit slower in general. Um, like, I think in Urshifu Mirrors, it's pretty effective. Um, but I don't know if it's the most effective overall right now. Yeah, it's it's tough to say. I just, I, for me, I love being able to search out everything. You know, having that, just being able to pick the card that you want. Because there are times with Sinchino that you're you're going to dig. You're going to, you know, dig six, eight cards. You're not going to find what you need. And you might even not only not find what you need, but you might have to give up some of those resources that you might need later. So it's never this kind of, um, this kind of perfect one-to-one equivalent, right? You're, you're giving up some of that consistency to have maybe consistency in, in the, in the early game, you're giving up for consistency in the late game, right? Because as soon as you go through your entire deck and as soon as you're getting rid of the cards, you maybe don't need in the late game, then the Sinchino build becomes really good, right? Because you're able to get into what you need more uh, regularly. Whereas the Octillery, now, you're not really digging through your deck, but you're getting what you want at any moment. So it's kind of that trade-off, like like you said. So um, hard to say with this evolving metagame what's going to be better. And and maybe there is that Cheryl-heavy version with Sinchino that that works out just a little bit better. You just have to sacrifice some of the some of the tech cards in order to fit in, you know, your heavy Sinchino line and and the level balls, like you mentioned. So certainly a lot up for debate still, and I'm excited to continue to test with these decks and, and try to find the perfect variant. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, single strike is so flexible in how you can play it because it has just yeah. that very simple engine of like the one energy attack followed by, you know, the second attachment into snipe. Um, that's just so easy to conceptualize. And really um, because the rapid strike energy fulfills both fighting requirements, like you can tech this into a lot of different decks and just have your four rapid strikes and whatever other energy you want like you could attach a fire energy on it in a welder deck and then rapid strike energy it if you really wanted to and, yeah. and get access to both of your attacks um so you know i'm really excited to see how players kind of like flex that creativity i think dragapult urshifu is like a great example of that of, mm-hmm. of like kind of taking it into a new innovative direction um and yeah. i think urshifu kind of needs that like rapid strike kind of needs like um a little bit of shaking up to to really make the most impact that it can but it really struggles against your dragapults it really struggles against decks that can either hit it for weakness or like hit it significantly harder while also brushing off its attacks um you know stuff like single strike is actually a pretty bad matchup for rapid strike in most games <laughs> so you know i'm just curious to see i'm that's i don't have any like nuggets of wisdom for what's going to be the best um i think they all have their strengths and weaknesses um and i think there's more to be seen as well yeah it's really cool this uh metagame is is uh is quite interesting i found that this has been one of the more enjoyable ones uh at least early metagames that i've 
maybe ever been a part of in 10 years of playing. So I hope you guys are enjoying it now while it still seems fresh. And then, you know, remember the feelings that you have right now for, uh, you know, three months down the road when everyone's like, ah, this metagame, you know, it's all dominated by this one deck. I can't believe that this, you know, all the, all the tournament results are just this deck and this deck and this deck. Like, why can't we get anything new? (laughs) Remember how you feel now. And, uh, and take those warm feelings when, whenever you feel like the metagame is a little stale. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I would say if there's one way, that you can try and bolster up your game right now, just in general with your deck building. I think finding ways to slot in, I hate to say it, but finding ways to slot in like your hammers and your fan of waves um, really slows down a lot of decks at the moment. A lot of the popular ones, both Urshifus are pretty impacted by both fan of waves and crushing hammer. Dragapult really hates to see a crushing hammer. ADP is still big. Um, And honestly, ADP is like still kind of the most popular and successful deck at the moment. Um, so crush camera is great there. Um, so don't forget to include them, you know, flip some coins, put some energy on the bottom. I just, I, I still feel like fan of waves being really slept on. I think that that card should probably be in just about every single deck. Uh, there's just so much special energy. There's, I, there's almost not a deck that I can think of besides the welder based decks that doesn't benefit from a special energy attachment. So it just seems like a good card to have that has a lot of utility and uh, can really punish some of these decks that are going very special energy heavy. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think energy denial is going to be um, a prominent part of this coming format as well. Um, yeah. I would just say, you know, let us know what you think. Like, tweet at us, DM us on Twitter. Let us know what kind of decks that you're having fun with, what kind of stuff that you've seen uh, be successful. Um, and what you want us to try out next, because uh, we're more than happy to to take some weird ideas and talk about them here on the show. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you want to do that, best way to get to us is going to be on Twitter. That's at Tag Team Pokemon, at Smiles with Riles, and at Real John Walter for the show, myself and JW, respectively. Um, you can also catch us on Twitch. So um, if you want to listen to the show live, you can catch it on twitch.tv slash munner. And if you want to see JW in action, that's going to be um, Flex Daddy Righteous. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be great to have you. And uh, also check out the YouTube as well. Uh, YouTube.com slash Flex Daddy Righteous. It's been really great, Riley. Another good episode. Thank you so much for joining us today, everyone. And um, yeah, let's, uh, let's hit it. Good luck to everybody that's playing in Players' Cup 3. Congratulations on those that made it to the second weekend. And um, yeah, can't wait. Can't wait to get more tournaments in with these Battle Styles cards. It's been really fun so far. Absolutely. We'll catch you all on the flip side. Peace. See ya.